This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. It's the Blood Red podcast, courtesy of the Liverpool Echo. I'm Guy Clark. Thanks for joining us. Van Dijk and Gomez make their return. Seven goals shared and Naby Keita sparkling once more. But it is only pre-season. Plenty, though, to get into on today's Blood Red podcast, where it is all about the big return. Yes, Ian Doyle's back from sunning himself. And right on cue, ahead of a week off for yours, truly, it's absolutely hammering it down outside. <clears throat> Joe Rimmer and Matt Addison also here. But Doyley, how are you? Enjoyed your break? Any time away from work is brilliant, which, of course, in this day and age means not being in my box room in my house. Yeah, fair enough. You've uh, you've grown yourself a a nice little beard there as well. I hadn't even noticed that I'd done it until I spotted myself on camera yesterday, saying to Joe we were doing something else, and it's like, what's with the grainy beard? What's going on there? Funny enough, I don't look at myself all the time, so there you go. It's it's salt and pepper. (laughs) Yeah, that is that is the approach. But anyway, we, we, we've got a bit to get into. Let's sort of get straight into last night's action, the 4-3 defeat to Hertha Berlin. And Doily, it was all really about Van Dijk and Gomez coming back, albeit for just the last 20 minutes. But a big boost for, for Jurgen Klopp and, and all Reds. Well, it's a big boost in the fact that they're actually obviously back fit and available. But I don't think anybody's getting too excited yet. Although if you actually looked at social media after the game, I think uh, supporters of, of other clubs were quite delighted to see Van Dijk make a slight mistake for Hertha's fourth goal. And they probably would have picked up on the fact that Gomez got a booking as well. So, you know, that, that kind of underlines that the pair of them still got a long way to go in terms of getting up to optimum fitness and match sharpness. And But from, you know, let's face it, I mean, Van Dijk's been out for nine months. Gomez is eight. The fact that the, you know, they're back on the pitch and, you know, fans aren't reliant on them posting these training videos of them together running around in various countries wherever they've been. You know that here, here they're actually on the pitch. It was it was symbolic in a way. I know, I know Matt mentioned this in the PC room that they actually came on together at the same time because they've obviously been working together in their rehab. They were always were you know they've been close friends since basically since Van Dyke came to the club because they, they obviously forged the, the centre-back partnership that helped Liverpool uh, win the win the Premier League uh, and you know for a slight part win the win the Champions League as well so from that point of view it was good for Liverpool but as I've said there's still a very long way to go I'd be amazed if either of them plays on the opening day against Norwich in fact I would suspect that for the first couple of months that the pair of them, Liverpool, having you know, have, have, having had them out for so long, they won't be doing anything to rush them back. They'll want to take it easy. They'll be judged by what the respective bodies are saying, what the what the medical people are saying. So, it's a, but let's be you know let's be blunt. It's a very very good sign. The fact that the pair of them are back out there on the pitch and playing football. Yeah, I think the big thing, Joe, as well, was them just kind of even getting through the 20 minutes. No matter what happened in the action, whether Gomez got booked, whether Van Dijk tripped before obviously trying to tackle Jovetic for that fourth goal for Hertha Berlin, it was the fact that actually both of them got through the 20 minutes. And we can now say sort of they have made the comeback and now it's about getting back to the levels we know they can hit. Yeah, that's it. Um... It didn't matter what happened out on the pitch and it, it didn't matter that they were both involved in the goal that the Hertha scored. It was just about fitness and, you know, now hopefully Klopp can, can sort of keep increasing their minutes. And like Doyle says, the, the good thing for Liverpool is that with Matip back and, and Kodate signed and they've still got Matt Phillips there, they've still got Reese Williams there, you know, there's there's no massive pressure for Liverpool to play them in the first month or even two months of the season. You know, they, they can ease them back into it so 
Liverpool are in, in a good in good shape there. You know, I, I won't lie. I, I've seen when I saw the goal um, that Hertha scored, <clears throat> I got a slight fright because sort of Van Dijk sort of fell down onto his knees, didn't he? And I think he was just adjusting his sock, but just seeing the sight of him reach towards that area of, of his legs, I was like, God, please no. That so was the exact it, same. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just hope now that they take it easy, that they come through these, build up their fitness. And um, yeah, it was fantastic to see them back and, you know, they're, they're such strong characters. Joe Gomez has had to come back from this type of injury before and, and, and done it. And, and Van Dyke, we all know how strong a character is he is. So, you know what, I'm sure they'll be trying to force their way into the team as soon as they can. Yeah, to, to me, Matt, it kind of underlined, I suppose, the, the benefit of them both coming back through pre-season and ahead of the new season, that Van Dyke, there was clearly sort of a bit of rustiness there. I think Hugo's counted it up, what, 285 days since his injury, but at the end of the day, it's far better him coming back into a pre-season friendly than it would be a, a competitive game and, and making an error because at the end of the day, it was. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's to be expected, isn't it? When you're out for, for that long, it's going to take a little bit of time just to, to be comfortable again, to, to get used to playing. Obviously, there's different sort of players around you, different sort of situations that you've not had to, to deal with for, for a long time. So it's it's the same for, for all players in pre-season, isn't it? Just feeling their way back into it, but certainly those who've been out for, for such a, a long period of time. And I think that is that is important. I think we'll we'll sort of see their minutes slowly be built up, but I'd be surprised if they started certainly, you know, to together, you know, before say the September international break, maybe longer than that, because it will just be a case of of making sure that, you know, nothing goes wrong between now and then and, and making sure that you know they, they give themselves as much time as, as possible to come back really. So yeah, I don't think there's there's any need to to take any risks. Obviously, preseason gives you the opportunity to to give players twenty minutes here and there. It's harder to do that, of course, once that season starts. But you know, with Conate looking fairly decent in the first sort of few outings that we've seen of him, obviously Joel Matip is is fit for now. How long that remains the case, who knows? But certainly at this moment in time, that looks good. So there's not really any reason for Liverpool to play either Van Dijk or Gomez at the start of the season. You've got to really good centre-backs there, fit, ready, seemingly ready to go on day one. So, yeah, there, there won't be any risks taken and there really isn't any need for Liverpool to do that. Will it be a benefit as well, doily to Ibrahim Akanate, the fact that he effectively will know he's guaranteed of being in that starting eleven for a little while to be able to bed himself in rather than daily feeling as though he is having to, to push and wait and be patient for a <clears> chance <throat> in the team, that actually he's the guy who will probably start the season in, in possession of the jersey? Um, no, not really, actually. I think it should be the opposite. I think he should be made to earn his place. He can't be thinking that, oh, he's definitely going to get into the, the starting lineup when they play Norwich, what was it, on two weeks on Saturday? I mean, um, <clears throat> judging from, I haven't said that, judging from what we've seen so far, the last two games where they played the four matches, the 90-minute games, uh, both he and Matip have been partnered at centre-back and it doesn't take a great leap of faith to, to, to believe that that's what's going to start the season. But yeah, I'm not surprised Liverpool conceded four goals yesterday, by the way, because they had, they had three different centre-back purrings that came on. So, you know, well, I think uh, after last season, they were just trialling all of the different yeah, yeah, it's like all of them. Like, they might yeah, need. That's it. Yeah. They had about 23 different partnerships last season. They're just doing them all in one game now. Uh, and, of course, there was no defensive midfielder, really, because there was no Henderson, there was no Fabinho. And, you know, as much as Milner can do that job, if he's got next to him Cater and, uh, and, and Harvey Elliott, they're not exactly going to be rushing to be, you know, coming back and helping out, although, you know, the pair of them did at times. So I'm not, wasn't really that bothered with that respect. In, in terms of the centre-backs though, yeah, I mean, 
it is interesting, isn't it? Because you know, at the end of the season, you had Nat Phillips and Reese Williams, and Bab, you know, they they got together and looked quite decent in those final five games. But I don't think anybody's expecting them to be starting these games now, coming towards the start of the season. I think in some ways we may even see less of them. Although having said that, the fact that Liverpool are playing games back to back whether it be a 60-minute game next Thursday against Bologna or a, you know, a full 90-minute game one day after the next against Athletic Bilbao and, and Osasuna at Anfield next week. So, yeah, they will get minutes. But I do think, you know, as, as the lads have said, it's going to be Canati and Matip. But I don't think... I think Canati will benefit more when Van Dijk and Gomez are back and firing because then, you know, he'll have to be at the top of his game and hopefully he'll, he'll have adapted a little bit. You did see one or two signs of he's still getting used to things. I mean... Tried to play offside, didn't he, for the first goal? He was the only one that was doing it. Everybody else just like ran away from him. So uh, a little one or two moments like that. But you know, as we've said, that's what these these warm up games are for to get these mistakes out of the way and to to, to you know, develop an understanding. And don't forget, you want to play with Alison Becker, either, the goalkeeper. So that's another thing that he's got to look forward to over the next few weeks. Be interesting as well, Joe. I suppose to sort of see the the makeup of how they sort of comprise the defence in. Van Dijk and Gomez's absence until they're fully back to speed. Because, for example, it might sort of seem something quite minor, but yesterday, for example, Canate was playing at the left-hand side of the, the centre-back partnership, Van Dijk's favoured position, building up a small relationship there with Kostas Simikas. But should Van Dijk come back ahead of Gomez, for example, all of a sudden, if Canate would have to shift over to the right, it's a different relationship to, to build with Trent. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, These are all the little tiny things that I think, people need to take into account when you build a good defence, aren't they? You know, as Doyle said, I think one of the, the massive key things is, you know, playing in front of a goalkeeper as good as Alison Becker will, will make the world a difference. Which side he plays on obviously will make a big difference. Which full-backs line up alongside him. And, the, and these were all the things that contributed to Liverpool having a difficult season last year because not just with those centre-backs going down injured, but then you'd have different combinations, you know, in different areas. Then you'd have... The fullbacks getting used to different players. You know, the goalkeeper was in and out a little bit last season. So, you know, all in all, and even then in front of them, having Henderson and Fabinho, two really experienced, quite vocal players, that makes the difference, doesn't it? So, you know, no one should be worried or surprised that Liverpool concede goals in pre-season games because not just that they, they chop it and change it at centre-half, but in goal, fullback, in midfield. I mean, that, that midfield that started yesterday... You know, is is not going to be anything like the midfield that starts in two weeks' time, is it? So, you know, I think these are just little times to have, you know, to experiment, to to find out for Kanate which which side of the defence is is better for him, um, you know, and, and just to play around with fullbacks and to allow people like Chimikas. I mean, someone like him barely played at all last season, so it's given him the chance to sort of forge some partnerships as well. So. You know, I think once things settle down and things become a bit more consistent, and in those final two warm-up games um, in the next couple of weeks at Anfield, I think you start seeing a, a more settled first lineup. Then we'll, we'll get a better idea of how it will look on that opening day. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. To me, Matt, it feels as though we're, we're kind of getting to the stage of pre-season where things will now kind of be fine-tuned and ramped up a bit. Of course, you can't really look too much into the results because they mean absolutely nothing. But the likes of Andy Robertson and Diogo Jota coming back into the fold in last night's game, obviously Thiago, the Brazilian contingent, and Jordan Henderson will all be back with the group sort of next week or so. 
is one of those, isn't it, where everything is now beginning to get to the stage where it needs to get stepped up and hit the levels that Liverpool want to go into that Norwich game in. Yeah, exactly that. I think that's why we've seen the sort of 30-minute games. Then we've had, you know, the majority of players playing 45 minutes. I think next week, the idea will be to, to give a lot of players a 60-minute a appearance and, and just slowly sort of build that up. And like you say, it's it's obviously good that we've seen a lot of youth and, and younger options so far. But let's not forget there's there's lots of important players still to, to come back. You think of the first choice midfield three, none of them have been there, well, Thiago's been there, what, a day or, or two. Fabinho and, and Henderson still to come back. Jota, like you say, he played a little bit, but we've not seen a huge amount of him yet. There's still Firmino to come back. There's, you know, there's there's players all over the pitch to, to be added in. But I think what we've seen so far is that the basis is there. The players that you'd really want to, to be there from the start are there. I think, you know, Sadio Mane hugely needed a, a full pre-season. I think he's not had one since his first season at Liverpool, so that will be important for, for him, obviously, to get back to the levels that, that we need him to, to be at next season. You then look at, at Van Dijk and Gomez, as we've touched upon. Obviously, they needed to be there for their recovery. You think of, of new players, Ibrahim Konate, for, for him to be in from day one, I think, is is hugely important to, to bed himself in. So, I think obviously there's there's lots of important players to come back, but I think of of the ones that are there and are senior players at the moment, they're probably the ones that you would have picked if you had to to choose a few players to to have from day one. I think it, it probably would have been those. So it's uh, it's been a pretty good preseason so far. Still a, a lot of time for for Liverpool to to work on and, and develop things, but like you say, we're we're starting to see those patterns. We've seen a lot of. Mane and Salah on the pitch together at the same time. We've seen a lot of you know, certain relationships starting to, to be built again. I think it was really interesting, the relationship on the right-hand side between Trent, Salah and Harvey Elliott in midfield. Again, how often are we going to see Elliott in that position once the season starts? I don't know, but certainly long-term, you'd think that that could be a nice little trio to, to work on. So, yeah, we've started to, to see the patterns, but I think we will see more and more seniority over the next couple of weeks, as you say, sort of leading into to that first game and, and hopefully Liverpool can hit the ground running. Yeah, we've touched on the defence. So let's sort of move higher up the pitch and talk about the, the midfield and attack. I wanted to sort of say Salah's back heel for Minamino's goal was absolutely brilliant as well. I think the way he deliberately put the spin on it as well to kind of bounce into his path was fantastic too. But uh, Doyle, do you, 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 do you mean you can't do that? You can't do that. Me, me and Joe have done that five or seven yeah, times. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I usually put the spin on it for Doyle to bang home, don't you? <laughs> Yeah, so that's the one. Sometimes Doyle reverses it for me. You know, that, mm. we have that yeah. sort of understanding, don't we, on the pitch, Doyle? Telepathic. telepathic. Yeah, telepathic. Yeah, yeah. yeah both, both on the pitch and on the sports desk. Yeah, I know how. Yeah, don't push it. Don't push it. Come yeah. on, on the pitch. <laughs> on the pitch. <laughs> Let, let's talk though about someone who on the pitch in preseason has been looking great, and that's Naby Keita Doyle. He's going into to what a fourth season now at Liverpool, but it feels really as though it's kind of the same rhetoric every season for him. Pre-season looks brilliant, everyone gets excited and then ultimately injuries get in the way and it's a disappointing sort of finale to the season for him. Look, I've got to be honest, I've obviously been off for four weeks, so I didn't see any of the earlier games. I made a point of not watching them. I mean, why would you if you're off work kind of thing? But uh, so, I, but I was reading some of the stuff and I was seeing that, you know, Cater's meant to have been done quite well. So it was quite interesting to see how he went. And I thought it was interesting in the first couple of minutes. He lost the ball. He just, when he lost the ball, somebody just came and took the ball off him a couple of times. And you were thinking, oh, well, hang on, here we go again. But it was the increase in intensity. And once he got over that, 
And he kind of realized, oh, hang on, this is like a proper game now. It wasn't just him. There was a couple of other players that were, who were a bit the same in those early stages. I thought he played quite well, actually. I thought it was interesting. You know, the second goal obviously came from him. Was it the second goal? Yeah, the second goal yeah. came from him winning the ball high up. And that's, you know, when he's at his best, that's the kind of thing that he does. The interesting thing for me about Cater is that this is, as you say, his fourth season. The previous three seasons, he's been okay during the summer and he's been fit for the start of the season. And last season, he started the first game, league game against uh, Leeds. In his first season, he started the first league game against uh, West Ham, wasn't it? 4 0. Yeah. Um, in between, he was fit for the game against uh, Norwich, just didn't get on. And then a couple of days later, he got injured just before they were going to, you know, the, the day before the, the Super Cup game because he uh, against Chelsea because he, I think, suffered a hip problem, I think it was. Then he was out was for quite morning, a while. The night before? It was the night before during the training yeah. session. Yeah, yeah. Just, I think it was just right at the start of it or right at the end. One of those two. He was helped off and, and that was that. So he does have this knack of being good in the, in the friendlies and he has that kind of going into the season, things look okay. But the problem he has then is then, building the momentum because he's only three or four games in. Then he'll either get injured or he'll have a bad game. And it's funny, isn't it, with Cater, when he has a bad game, he tends to not – he tends to be the first one that goes out of the team. And you have to bear in mind that he hasn't – I'm pretty right, sure, I'm, I'm right in saying this, he hasn't played for the first team since he got subbed three minutes before yeah. half-time against Real Madrid. And people forget, I mean, at the time, I can't remember whether I actually wrote that this is the end of his career, but I remember kind of suggesting that it's going to be a bit difficult – for him to come back from this, but you know, fair play to him is the fact that he has done that and he's producing, you know, decent performances uh, in the preseason. So it is an interesting one for him because, as the lads have said, there's every chance that he won't be starting the first game of the season. But having said that, if Fabinho and Henderson and Thiago have got at the most two weeks training in terms of Thiago, the other two won't have two weeks. There could be an opportunity for for Keita. You'd think that Norwich would be a, a team. Certainly away from home where he could actually, if, if you want an attacking midfielder, he could do that kind of job. Then you pick two of the others or you may pay Mil, play Mill. I mean, you know, we've still got two weeks to go. There's bound to be someone will pick up an injury at that time or, or something will happen. That's just the way that it goes during these games. So for Katie, yeah, it is. It is. It's also interesting because obviously there's a talk of Liverpool. Do they need to bring in a new midfielder with Van Alden having gone? And they've, they've got, I mean, I'm in the process of writing a story. I think at the moment they've still got seven options, senior options in midfield. And you might say, OK, Oxley chamberlain looks as though he's being regarded as a, an attacking option so far uh, this summer. But then Harvey Elliott becomes another option in midfield, whether that's something, as Matt said, that, that we're going to see often this season. I'm not particularly sure. I think Elliott might be better, better, better served playing further upfield where he's got a few less responsibilities and he can kind of show what he's all about rather than having to worry a little bit about, you know, coming back and defending. And you know, we all know how hard it is for players to to fit into a, a Jurgen Klopp midfield. You've seen Fabinho, it took him three months. So it'd be a great shame in, in, in Elliot not being trusted with that just yet. Because he's only was well, he only 18 in April. But for Cater, it is an opportunity because he knows that there could be a chance that another player's coming in. And if Liverpool are going to be signing in the midfield, and that's no given. It may, may depend on who's available, the price, and whether they get rid of, manage to get rid of some of the players who, who, who you know, you look at the likes of Origi and Shakiri, whether they actually end up going and raising a bit of money. So he'll know that that player coming in will be somebody who will be competing for a first team place. So he has to make the most of these chances. And, you know, it, it is kind of telling that he's still there, isn't it? I mean, Liverpool spent, what was it, 52.75 million on him, which I think is something that. We overlook, and Andy waited twelve months for him as well. So it was an unusual situation for him. It's almost like he's never really quite got over that. But you know, 
he's been there three years now. Is it three? It is three years now, isn't it? Yeah. This is the start of his fourth season. He knows the way that they play. He knows what's needed. And if the penny doesn't drop with him now, then it probably never will. I mean, I'm not saying he's at a crossroads or he's coming towards the end. But if he's if he's if he signed a five year deal, which I think he did, this will be he's yep. got two years, two years to go. Yep. So this is the one season where he has to do it. Otherwise, he'll be moved on, whether it's in January or it's or it's next summer. Yeah, you might not say he's at a crossroads. I certainly feel that he's definitely. He's gone crossroads. past the crossroads. He's kind of yeah. at a T junction now. The far yeah. end of the lights. The lights. <laughs> yeah, no, I was going to say the the lights are, are very quickly going to be turning green and see what he's about, whether he can sort of come off the the, the mark or not. But Joe, just as Doyle was talking there about the fact he he hadn't played competitive action since April, and the fact that he he kind of whenever he has a drop in form. He's not sort of persisted with he is pulled out and somebody else is put in. We always talk about Jurgen Klopp and what a great manager and man manager he is. I suppose with Naby Keita, this season could well sort of prove just how great Jurgen Klopp is, whether it is a case of needing to just show a bit more care with Keita, put an arm around the shoulder and say, look, as long as your body holds up, we'll put you in the team and see if you can play your way in. Because we saw as soon as he arrived, the the ability that he has got and what he can do to this Liverpool midfield. But he's still got that crazy statistic of what is it? No more than three Premier League starts in a row. Yeah, but I, I think midfield's difficult for, for for Liverpool because I don't think it's an area where you can carry players. I think it's such a, you know, traditionally in, in a clock midfield, they've had to work really, really hard, make a lot of runs, run hard, track back, do a lot of dirty work for the full-backs and for the, um, for the forwards that... You can't afford to carry someone, and that's why I think Cater gets pulled out, pulled out because I think at times I know certainly I feel that he's he's quite good on the ball. You know, I I, I wouldn't knock him for the way he uses the ball. He's quite forward thinking. He, he he can pass it quite cleverly. He makes good runs with it. But when Liverpool aren't on the ball, that's when I think you see the difference between a a Wijnaldum or a Henderson or a Fabinho is that he's just not aggressive enough. And I think he just goes missing. And, and when Liverpool are trying to get hold of it, he becomes a passenger. And I, I just don't think Klopp tolerates that. So, you know, I, I think really the onus isn't so much on Klopp as it's on Cater to, you know, as, as you guys have just alluded to, to take this chance because this really is his final chance. He's, he started, you know, yeah, I remember that West Ham game a couple of years ago, his first, his first game for Liverpool and, he looked great, but that was a game when everything went well for Liverpool. They won four nil. It's sort of it was the start of a really good season. You know, last year against Leeds, again they, they did well attacking wise. But I just think it's the the grittier games that you want Cater to, to sort of like stand up and be counted in and and get through some games and not come down with an injury, which granted isn't always his fault. But essentially, you know, there's a reason why people like. You know, Wayne Alden didn't miss many games, so the challenge is is there for him. Unfortunately, I I sort of always think there's players, isn't there? That you know, that you always have hope for. That you always, you never sort of give up on or write off. You know, I always remember Aquilani was a player who, like, certainly when I was younger, and you know, you're watching as a fan, you think, oh, there's something there. There's something there. He'll come good soon. One of the managers will start using him, or you know, he'll get a run of games. But in the somewhere deep down in the back, in the back of your mind, you know, you know, you're so, kidding yourself on. Yeah, you yeah. know, you're kidding yourself. I wonder with you, is is Ozil? You know, you an Arsenal fan? Is Ozil a player like that? Ozil always seemed to attract a lot of attention from Arsenal fans, and obviously had the the ability, but it always felt like 
you knew deep down he was never going to really become the player that you thought he could be. And, you know, I've just got that horrible feeling about Cater. I feel like we're there again saying, can Cater do it? Well, he's been at Liverpool three years. How long How long do you need to wait? Um, so we'll see what happens. I wouldn't be holding my breath on him. Um, you know, and I don't mean to be so negative, but I just think, you know, you can't wait round forever, can you? So... Um, no, I, famously, long-term podcast listeners will know that Joe Rimmer has been for a very long time <laughs> been worried about Navigator. He is, is expressing very. He went from worried to very worried to slightly worried to not bothered back to being worried. You know, he, he shows a great amount of concern yeah. for the for uh, the number eight. No, but I'm, there I'm is usually concerned. No, I'm, I'm at the point where, um, you know, I, I don't think I've ever been as worried. About Navigator's arm. <laughs> well, now, is, you know, Can he not be let out on his by himself? Is that is that what's wrong? Uh, I just, you know, I, he he is the type of player that you want him to do well. You still think deep down that if if everything comes together for Cater, Liverpool's midfield can be a different animal next season. They can, it can be he can give them like an element that they they haven't had. But I don't know whether I'm just kidding myself. And perhaps I no, think I at this think, point I am. Sorry, do you feel as though maybe he's um, a player, Joe just touched on it then, that he can only really perform if he's got Fabinho and Henderson with him. He runs around and starts getting stuck in. And then kind of, does that then increase the pressure on him though? Because then he's fully expected to be the one who's playing the passes through. Because I remember when Sturridge was still at Liverpool, he had that little spell where it looked as though, I think that might have been in the summer as well, where it seemed to be setting up goals and it looked really good. And of course, they barely never, ever played together. So I don't know whether or not whether or not that's a way that maybe Klopp will, Klopp will look at things because he, he knows that, you know, you know what he's like with his midfield. He just changes it depending on who they're playing. What are you saying? Bring back Daniel Sturridge? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. He's in yeah. New York at the moment. Bring him back. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. Hendo. Yeah. Jordan Henderson's there. You can just tap him up. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah because they, 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 they're pitching together. Maybe that was the whole signing. He's got, to be fair, though, he's got sandals and socks on. So, oh, dear. you know, I, I'm not I'm not exactly Mr. Fashion, but I know that there are some faux pas. Hey, with, that, with that beard, you're Mr. Fashion now, Doyle. Let me the Mr. Multicoloured facial hair is what yeah. I am. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Right, let's get back to, to Naby Keita. And Joe, you, you said sort of the onus is on him. And obviously, knowing we were going to talk about him today, we're sort of looking at stats. Now, stats aren't the be-all and end-all, but they do certainly, with Naby Keita, paint the picture. Going back five years, looking at his time with RB Leipzig in his penultimate league season, which was when, obviously, Liverpool agreed to deal for him. He'd played, he'd made 29 starts that season and played 2,416 minutes. Fast forward five years, and year on year, his league season He's had a decline in minutes played till last season, Matt. He started seven games and played only 524 minutes. In that time, he's gone from being a 21-year-old to a 26-year-old. Liverpool probably thought they were buying a player ready to enter his prime. The numbers suggest that's that's been and gone. Yeah, I mean, well, you, you can't argue with that, can you? It's, it, is, it is a decline. Year on year, you look at, at the starts, even... To be honest, twenty-nine starts isn't isn't a huge amount to begin with, is it necessarily? I think you know you'd want you know for a fifty-two million pound player, you'd want that over the course of, of a few seasons back to back anyway. To be honest, but I think it's it's one of those, isn't it? We we've said it. It's a cycle with him. You you see him every summer. He looks good. Obviously, earlier in the year, there's sort of talk of you know, the the medical departments at Liverpool are, have been working with him to to try and 
increase his durability and, and make sure they didn't you know rush him back from from previous injuries and, and things like that they took their time with him that there is that kind of lingering hope and I know what you mean in terms of, of that pattern but it just goes back to it doesn't it there's always that thing in the back of your head of well what what if this what if this year is, is the first year that the pattern reverses what if this is you know the, the start of something and I think probably for Jurgen Klopp as well that's probably in the back of of his mind I think you know, would would Jurgen Klopp have, have kept patient with him for this long if he wasn't as good as, as what he is and he didn't have the ability that he has? I don't think he necessarily would. I think, you know, in the, in the back of Klopp's mind, there's, there's maybe been links to, to other teams. I know Borussia Dortmund were, were linked about 12 months or so ago. I don't know how much you know, interest there was there. There's been other teams, Atletico Madrid have been linked. But you just think, well, if Liverpool did cut their losses, he went to, to Spain and, and played for Atletico and, and suddenly became the player that you know he could be there'd always be that that little bit of regret. So, yeah, look, the, the pattern, the numbers, the stats, they're all worrying. But at the same time, that there is that little bit of you that just thinks maybe just leave it a little bit longer. And, you know, who knows, possibly, as Doily says, you know, the, the fact that the first choice midfield trio are not going to be in training for, for a huge amount of time before the start of, of that, uh, before the, the start of the season and, and that Norwich game, Maybe there is something, you know, maybe he can start the season, maybe it can be, but at the same time, you, you never can, can sort of say that with, with complete confidence. No, well, we'll have to wait and see. The jury's still well and truly out, or in, in Joe Rimmer's case, definitely <laughs> not. Um, in terms of other areas of the midfield, Doyle, is it maybe more of a concern than we perhaps realise? You referenced it before with no Fabinho there last night. There isn't really a defensive midfield option. You said earlier in the pod, seven senior midfielders, but Cater and Oxlade Chamberlain injury prone through their Liverpool careers. James Milner's 35 as well. It sort of feels as though there are a few gaps there and certainly still that Genie Vinaldum shaped void that's not been filled. Well, there are, I mean, there are gaps, but it's when you actually fill them. I mean, do they really need a midfielder this summer? You'd probably say, no, not really. If, if they could get one, it would be great. But certainly in the next two years, that's a position where they probably need to get two in because, as you say, James Milner's nearer 40 than 30. And um, Jordan Henderson, you know, we know the story about his contract, but irrelevant to that, it would be 32, 33 by then anyway. So he would be another player. And then obviously you've got Oxley Chamberlain and Cater, they're not going to play every single game. So, I mean, there have been steps towards the future, obviously, with, um, with Curtis Jones, although it's interesting that he's not started, he's barely started a game, has he, this, this summer? And he's kind of changed his game a little bit, would you say? He's kind of... Whether or not he's seen one album going on, right, I need to actually start using, keeping hold of the ball a bit more and being a bit more disciplined defensively. And you know whether or not that's what he should be doing at his age when he's, he's somebody who's, who's obviously so explosive and so much of a threat going forward, I don't know. But maybe that's something that he's been told to do, just bring it to his game. Because if, if he's more versatile, then he's got a lot more chance of actually starting more games next season. So, yeah, I mean, as I said, a midfielder, they could probably get away with not buying one this transfer window. Um, they'd be very unlucky if all of the midfields, like four of them got injured at the same time. I mean, Said that about defence? Well, the difference there, the difference there though, is that they only had three first yeah. choice senior centre-backs. Now they've actually got, you could argue, well, actually Curtis Jones is still, I'd say senior, so they got seven into three. So they will be unlucky to lose that many midfielders that they have to play, you know, some other people out of position. But it is an interesting one because it's, they're obviously looking. Well, we know that they're looking at midfielders. I've got to be careful now because, you know, a, a month off and people will be copying and pasting again. Um, 
they obviously been looking at midfields. We know that they got a little, you know, they got a short list of players that they look at, a long list that they look in terms of long term targets. I'm just filling spaces for people now, aren't I? Um, but whether or not they actually buy one will obviously come down to two things: one, whether Klopp actually feels so they really need it, because he'll obviously been building up, building up, sorry, the, the the squad at the moment and giving people opportunities. So imagine if he gives them all the opportunity, then the last minute just brings somebody else in, says, right, they're playing. You know, it, it wouldn't be good for the morale of some players, but you know they know a lot better than we do of the way things are going. They're not daft. But if if there's a top player come becomes available, and you you never know, there might be you know as, as Matt said, there are people looking at Cater. There's bound to be people looking at Oxlade Chamber. They're the two that if somebody came in with an offer, whether would Liverpool be tempted to have a look? Again, that would depend on whether or not they they've got somebody else lined up, whether it's next season or or this summer. So these are the things that we we don't know, but. In short, I don't necessarily think they need to sign a midfielder, but they certainly do by time uh, this time next season, next yeah, year. That's, even. that's a nice little three hundred word piece finding its way to a website <laughs> near you. <laughs> that's my Saturday stuff sorted. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There you go, uh, Joe. In terms of uh, in terms of the midfield, though, in, in terms of all the planning that uh, Michael Edwards and Jurgen Klopp do around their squad and everything, there does seem to be a weird mix of sort of the profiles. There are those. There are those sort of touching thirty or over thirty in James Milner's case. Then there's the likes of Harvey Elliott, who's been used there in preseason, and Curtis Jones. And I suppose the two you'd really say kind of prime years of their careers in Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain and Naby Keita are the two most injury-prone players in there. So to me, it looks as though there is kind of a, a need for somebody who's probably got a bit of pedigree about them to be able to come into that Liverpool midfield and, and be the man to be in there for three or four seasons. Yeah, no, no I agree with you. I, I, sorry, Dodie, but I, I slightly disagree. I, I think whilst they've got a lot of options, I think too many of those options are at points where you know, you've got someone at the start of their career like Curtis Jones coming towards the end of their career like James Milner. And then, as you say, the two players who are sort of inverted commas in their prime are Oxlade-Chamberlain and Cater. Well, Oxlade-Chamberlain's been playing further forward and has never been particularly reliable with injuries. Cater, we've just talked about his form. So that you know, four of those seven options, I, d- I don't think... I don't think you you would want to totally go into the season relying on. So that means they've got three options for three for three places. Don't forget, it's not a two man midfield, is it? It's a three man midfield. So you know, and and then Thiago's twenty nine, Henderson's twenty nine has had quite a lot of injuries. And what, what's I'm not sure you can, you can, I'm not sure you can quite dismiss all of those players as not options. No, <laughs> they're no, not. no, they're not. No, they're no, sorry, options, I'm not dismissing them. But but like, let's face it: if if Henderson picks up an injury, then that's the, you, you basically. You need to you need one of them to come in, and we've seen before that Cater and Cater form or fitness isn't reliable. Oxley Chamberlain form fitness isn't quite reliable. James Milner is thirty five; isn't going to be able to play lots and lots of games combined. And then Curtis Jones is is very young, and, and young players go through periods of form, don't they? I, I still think you know I I think there is a void left by Wijnaldum. I'd like to see them by someone slightly more senior, and um to take the place of Wijnaldum and then, then you've got four really, really strong options for three places and more often than not someone's going to be injured, someone's going to be out of form, someone's going to be out the side. You know, I love Jordan Henderson, think think the world of him as a footballer but he is getting to the point now where he does pick up injuries so, you know, I, I just think they need, a, they need a more senior option in there. Um, you know, 
to replace one of them. I, I can't help, you know, you, you see these links to Saul in, in, in um, Atletico and, you know, someone like that, I'm not saying that he's certainly the answer, but he's certainly got the pedigree, hasn't he? He's someone that can come in, come straight into the side, um, has got experience at the right age. You know, someone like that to me is, is the type of player Liverpool need right now. I think in the next 18 months, they'll have bought two new midfielders. I can yeah, say that. You, yeah, I'm, that, that's you, definitely going to happen, I think. I think you may well be right, but personally, you know, this is the way Klopp does it. He does like to gamble a little bit, doesn't he? And he, he doesn't like to, to sort of just buy solutions. But I think Liverpool could regret going into the season without buying a new midfielder. Liverpool are normally ahead of the curve. So if you're saying in, in 18 months they're going to buy two dollars, surely this summer would be a, a prime example, an option to, to kind of buy one of those. If they've got any money, yeah. Yeah, okay. We'll have to wait and see how... how <laughs> no, we will have to, to, to wait that's and see That's the thing. I was just going to say, that is, we don't exactly know how much money they've got to spend. So, you know, it may come down to that. It may well, may well be, as we've said before, Rigi Shakiri have gone this time next week and they've signed somebody. So, you know, there's every chance that could happen, whether that's a forward or a midfielder, because we know they're the two positions that they're looking to fill it. I know we mentioned Oxlade Chamberlain just then. He's somebody that's obviously trying a bit further upfield because they want to see how many more options they can get out of the players they've got at the moment. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Matt, will, will Jurgen Klopp though not be sort of, I suppose, fairly frustrated? Because it's not as though the Wijnaldum situation just sprung out of nowhere. I'm sure from March, April, probably at the latest, they knew for definite Gini Wijnaldum was probably going to be leaving on a free. And they made, obviously, Canate such a priority of needing a centre-half. Surely alongside that, before they sell players, they, they have recouped money and they, they've done well at doing that in the past as well. But surely it's about taking care of what business needs doing, first and foremost. And obviously, we're, we're two weeks away from the start of the season now and Liverpool could maybe well do with a, a midfield player. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think they need one more and I think it, it makes sense long term as well to, to sort of do that. But it is a balance, isn't it? I know, you know, they, they can get away with, with not getting another one in. But do you want to, to take that chance? Do you want to, to have that gamble? I'm not convinced that a club like Liverpool should should be doing that. I think with the ambitions that, that Liverpool have got next season, it, it would make it certainly more likely that they could challenge at, at the very top end of the two competitions that they want to to challenge for in the Premier League and, and the Champions League. I think if you've got an extra option, an extra top quality option in that sort of area, I think it, it massively helps out. But it is very, very difficult, isn't it? We, we've sort of spoken about it all summer in terms of the finances. It's not just the transfer fee, it's the wages, it's the age profile of the player. It's do they want to, to come in and, and know that they will be fourth choice with only three playing at once. It, it's so, so hard to find that perfect option to, to come in. I think, you know, there's there's been loads of, of names linked. We've seen, you know, even ridiculous ones like Paul Pogba yesterday being linked. I mean, something like that is never going to happen. But I think that there is, uh, there is certainly, from my perspective, more of a, a need than a want to, to get a midfielder in just to, to make yourself feel that little bit safer going into the season for, for all of those reasons that, that we've discussed. So, yeah, I, I think if they don't get one, it would be a gamble. But let's face it, Liverpool have gambled in the past and sometimes it works, sometimes it Paul, doesn't. Paul Pogba is never going to happen, says respected Liverpool journalist Matt Addison. There you go. I've sorted that. I've written the piece for them. Though. There we go. Headline stunned. Yeah, no, yeah. Uh, we're, we're boxing off the, 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 the articles here. But yeah, no, to, to me, it's... <laughs> It's one of those, if you're going to play 55 games through the course of a season, then that will be Liverpool's aim with 
how deep they want to go in competitions, then even if you're telling someone to come in and be fourth choice out of a three-man midfield, he's still going to get 20, 25 games, isn't he? So I don't think it's it's that hard to sell. Before we go, though, we've, we've taken a great deal of time there talking about the, the midfield and enjoyed that chat. But I want to talk as well, Doyle, about Roberto Firmino. He's obviously not been involved through pre-season. He's been away at the Copper America. Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain was being tried there and mm. played played late on in the, the game against Hertha Berlin in that false nine and got himself a goal to Kumi Minamino too. But it's one of those, isn't it? Through the course of the season when Firmino's not scoring, everyone says, drop the, the number nine who can't score the goals. As soon as he's not there, you actually really do realise just how much of an impact he has. True, but the interesting thing is that, the, as you say, the two players who replaced him on yesterday scored, didn't they? You know, you say yeah. Minamino and, I don't, you know, Minamino didn't have a particularly good game. You know, he, he's never lacking for efforts, but... He still seems to slightly, you know, if if Joe's worried about Naby Keita, then I'm extremely concerned about Jaquimi Minamino because when he designed him, I thought he was excellent. I thought he played very well against Liverpool, but and when he and when he first started playing, he looked decent, but he just don't know what it is. He just doesn't seem to have certainly at the moment doesn't seem to have the physical capacity to to carry it forward for sixty minutes, ninety minutes, or whatever have you. Which I think is what you know that's something that that you can never accuse. Roberto Firmino have, have, have been, and I think that's one of his main strong points, which people just forget, is that, again, he's somebody who always plays, isn't he? He's there. Now, that Liverpool, I know Oxlade-Chamberlain played up, up the middle, but Liverpool do obviously have the option of, you could put Jota there, although I know I'm not so keen on that. Um, I think Mane down the middle, Salah down the middle. There are ways that they can do it, and we haven't even mentioned Origi, although, you know, Origi for the past couple, of, I think, was it, was it the other day? It said it's been seven years since he signed. Which I think was pretty. I know the first season he got loaned back to Lille, but that's, that is pretty yeah. remarkable, really. Um, so yeah, for me, you know, I, I mean, yeah, you have to bear in mind that he, you know, he, year by year, he's, he's scoring fewer goals, but his his actual contribution to the team is always there. And it's when that contribution stops, that's I think when the the concerns will will rise. And of again with with him, there's. You know, there's never any suggestion of Liverpool looking to cash in or Liverpool looking to move on, move him on because he's a player that you want around the squad in the team. He'll always be there or thereabouts and he seems to enjoy it there. And because he plays in such a specific way, that's why Klopp likes likes playing with him, sticking with him. I do think Liverpool, as we've just said before, I do think they need another forward option. Whether that's, and I actually do, th- me personally, think it's somebody who can go down the middle and score goals. Not quite the old fox in the box but certainly somebody who, who knows where the goal is and, and doesn't mind having a having a crack which is a little bit like Jota but I think somebody with a little bit more physical presence perhaps somebody's a bit different to what Liverpool already have which is I think that's what they thought Origi was going to be and it hasn't obviously quite worked out that way over a, a course of time. If he can sit out another three years on that contract though he He'll have 10 years. Will he get the statue then? We'll have to phone up. Well, we, 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 did, they do, did they do testimonials? Do they still do testimonials? I don't know. Maybe. Don't be, know. Yeah, he'd be due one then and deserve one. Matt, before we throw over to Joe, which Liverpool players concerning you then? We've had Navigator and Tafini Minamino. No, I, I wouldn't want to wouldn't pick out anyone in particular. But, well, I, I suppose... The Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain thing is interesting. I'm not sort of concerned in terms of... I don't think he was ever first in sort of Jurgen Klopp's plans in terms of, of being, you know, the first name on the team sheet or, or things like that. But I think it, it's going to be interesting. It's it, it's kind of a make or break season for a few players, I think. And he is probably one of them. Naby Keita is one of them with two years left on their contracts. I think, you know, that's that's been interesting. I think there is the kind of 
raw materials, if you like, for him to, to play in that front three. I think there is something there for him, but I don't know. My my concern with him really would be that you just can't see him getting a consistent run of games. And I think he is very much a player that if you play him week in, week out, you play him and give him that confidence and, and that rhythm. I think he can really sort of come good and, and, and show some good form, but can you really see him playing week in, week out for a period of, of six to eight weeks for Liverpool next season? I'm not sure. Even even with his newfound versatility, I'm not quite sure that that, that would be the case. So, yeah, I think there's there's definitely there's definitely something there in terms of him playing as a number nine. I've seen enough to be sort of convinced that he could do that, but I think there's there's still a bit of a question mark. Yeah, I liked your response. There. I thought you were just going to laugh that one off, but yeah, we we got a full set then of concerned players for for our writers. But Joe, what what have you made of the the Ox experiment? And I suppose it, it only goes to underline the point that we've kind of had the last few years. X year is going to be the year of Firmino, underlining the point that when he does need to be replaced, it's going to be an almighty task for Liverpool to do. Oh, absolutely. I mean, replacing Firmino, I still think, is the, the most difficult difficult thing Liverpool are going to have to do in the next several years in terms of the playing side, just because of how key he is to the way they play, the, the type of profile of player he is that I just don't think it's easy to go out and find. You know, they almost stumbled across Firmino, didn't they, in the sense that you know, I don't think he ever came in with the, the vision to be a false nine, but that's how it panned out and he's been integral to what Liverpool do. In terms of the Oxlade Chamberlain experiment, oof, I'm not keen. I, I must admit, I think if you're playing Oxlade Chamberlain as number nine, I, I, I think that Liverpool are clutching at straws. And again, I think that's an area where they need a player like Doyley. I, I think they, they need a, a player like Doyley. Yeah, <laughs> like that's, that's a 45-year-old player yeah. who wants yeah. to score against yeah. Liverpool. Yeah, yeah. With, a, with, a, with a salt and pepper beard. <laughs> can't no. see properly and can't yeah. play at night as well, don't forget. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, but I, I think as well, you've dropped deeper as you've got older as well. Like yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah. Just, Just like too, too off the pitch, you know, back at yeah. my house. Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> no they, they need they need an alternative to Origi. And it's all well and good saying that, you know, they've got Origi, they've got Shakiri, but these are players that they clearly want to sell. I just think those are the areas of the team now that need refreshing and, and, and they need a forward, they need another option. And um, it's it's slightly concerning me that I think that they use Oxlade Chamberlain there because I don't want to see them go into the season using Oxlade Chamberlain as, as a backup centre forward because I I guarantee you they'll get six months down the line and desperately need someone because they won't be using him there for that long. It, it just you know I'd be absolutely shocked if he turns out to be a really good auxiliary centre up forward. I just can't see it. Um, albeit he did take his goal quite well last night. Um, yeah, I just think that's an area of the team they need someone. I think hopefully if they can find a new home for Origi, that there'll be a gap there to fill. But yeah, slightly concerned to see Oxlade Chamberlain playing there. Yeah, but well, also with two concerns for Oxlade Chamberlain and yeah, a Warwick Yeah, he's yeah. coming. He's he's come late, but he's he's taken the vote. But yeah, it's it's <laughs> it is one of those with what injury did to Liverpool season last year. The records of Salah, Mane, and Firmino have been exemplary over the last four seasons, but. You do wonder if one of those were to pick up a, a muscle injury of, of sorts, what that would do. Well, just quickly to go back to 2019, I think Liverpool, when they were, you know, entering that period of being really, really strong, you know, I remember they started that season and they had options everywhere. They had storage still an option. Origi obviously was an option. Shakiri had come in. 
um, you know, all these Oxide Chamberlain, all these backup options, midfield was was packed. And and now I think you've seen some of those players sort of run their course, others have have, have departed. And I just think they need to freshen up a little bit there. And you know, teams evolve. That that's what that's what it's about. And I think sometimes Liverpool can be guilty of sort of clinging on to someone for a little bit too long or um allowing someone like you know, like a Rigi a little bit you know, a little bit too much grace and I think sometimes you need to be slightly more ruthless and sort of say right move these players on now bring in new ones Liverpool getting the seven year itch with Divock Origi then anyway that's it for us on this edition of the Blood Red podcast from myself Guy Clark Matt Addison Ian Doyle and Joe Rimmer thanks for your time and company it's bye for now you've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo